tired. So tired. Overtired. Hey, hey, hey there, listeners. Um, I'm Brett Terpstra. You're listening to Overtired. I'm here with Christina Warren, as always, but special announcement. You guys remember Jeff Severn's Gunsel from movies such as the last three episodes. We have decided to make Jeff a permanent member of the Overtired crew. It is now Woo-hoo! it is now an Overtired Thruple, which I mean it kind of so like the the theme song goes tired, so tired, overtired, which is three. Like by the time you get to Overtired, it's it's three of us. Like it was always meant to be. This was meant to happen. So welcome, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. I've had so much fun talking with you all, and it's been like a nice, a nice sort of um, change in the the rhythm of my of my weeks. Would, would you would talking. you say therapeutic? Because that's what we're going for. No, it has been therapeutic. I mean, the first the lost episode, like I was in a bad space that week, and and that conversation really just kind of jolted me out of it and the similar thing happened the next time so i, I find that it's when i find that it's when i contacted jeff to say hey this thing just happened and i lost two and a half hours of our audio and i basically wasted your weekend jeff <laughs> was like oh cool redo. That was what, i need that, a redo that, he, he was excited trust me that honestly <laughs> I, I was gonna say that was the thing that made me think i was like oh he's one of us because <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, 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 I said, okay, we'll, we'll do it again. But in my mind, I'm like, there's no way Jeff is going to want to come back after we've wasted his weekend. <laughs> no, it wasn't a waste at all. It's like having a good dinner party and then being like, oh man, we forgot to record it. Can we do another one? It's <laughs> Wait, like, you sure. record your dinner party. <laughs> I do have a dinner party. Recorded. Remind me not to go to Jeff's dinner parties. Oh my it's God. Always, I have always embar- consensual. I have embarrassed myself so many times at dinner parties. Those never come out with me feeling good about myself. Oh, I know. It was my fear about doing a podcast like this. It's just like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so that means it's like a dinner party every week. And those don't always end well for me. <laughs> so Christina, how's your mental health? Um, not too bad. Um, I, um, it's been, um, an interesting week and, um, I don't know. My, my, my ADHD is feeling kind of off the charts, but other than that, my mental health is pretty good. All How right. are you? I, uh, I am clearly depressed, even though I've actually been functioning at what I consider to be a pretty normal level. I am currently convinced that Victor and Aaron hate me. They like, do not. They hate me. And I think even you and Jeff uh are making fun of me and that is i mean we are well yeah but not like (laughs) on the podcast just that is a clear privately it is a clear sign of depression for me when i feel like the world is out to get me and everybody hates me and and it gets dark so i'm i guess i'm i'm depressed i'm looking forward to i'm almost to the point where i can start my vivance again uh, get back on my ADHD stimulants. I've been treating my ADHD with lion's mane and saffron, which is and not is terribly not effective. It's not great. Um, I think that saffron and lion's mane are great additions to stimulants, mm-hmm. but they do not replace stimulants. Uh, mm. No, because... And I'm going to be controversial here and you're going to definitely disagree with me. But <laughs> a large part of, of like um, homeopathy or whatever is bullshit. Oh, I, yeah. No, there's a line, though, between homeopathy and 
like actual like supplements that have undergone FDA studies, which which the reason I'm taking saffron is because of a study not peer reviewed, to be clear, not peer reviewed. <laughs> okay, a, so it's not a real study. Uh, it is. No, a study is real. It's just not reliable until peer okay. reviewed. So, okay. and, and, and there may be more that comes out in the future. And, and basically I'm taking, I'm taking saffron because there was a study that showed promise and what can it hurt to take saffron? Uh, but I can absolutely say it is not a replacement for stimulants for ADHD, man. I don't disagree with you though. Homeopathy as, as a pseudoscience yeah. I, I I do not agree with. I I'm not I, I'm not starting my official first episode going down this road. As Vic, <laughs> I, as Victor as Victor would say, I give no quarter to homeopathy. <laughs> I can't remember what came up. We were talking about someone who like some corporation that that indirectly uh, supported the "Don't Say Gay" legislation that just happened, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and his response was, "I give no quarter." Mm -hmm. to those people mm -hmm. thus ruining a perfectly fine led zeppelin uh is that song. a led zeppelin song no quarter no quarter yeah i'm unfamiliar <laughs> my 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 experience with led zeppelin is so there was a i can't remember what band did kill the Bee Gees. um i don't know i don't either but the Bee Gees were a great band no they weren't um, yes, yeah, they but, were. a great band. No, yeah, they were. No, no, the, the BG <laughs> disco in general. Go back to homeopathy. Every, okay, okay. So back to homeopathy. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. The accident. <laughs> Looks like the name of the band is the accident. Um, uh, the accident. Yes, I had that seven inch, and then I discovered Screeching Weasels. I hate Led Zeppelin, and mm. I actually heard that the only Led Zeppelin I had heard before that was actually a cover band. I think they were called Dead Zeppelin. Dread. Dread Zeppelin. Dread Zeppelin. That, yep. And like that was the extent of my exposure to Led Zeppelin was through a cover like parody band of Led Got Zeppelin. Got it. It makes sense. So I come from, I come, like I grew up without rock and roll. My first music was, my first music was heavy metal which I had to listen to until my parents would like burn my CDs. And then, and then I got into punk rock and punk rock was very anti like seventies rock. Like there was a common theme. Yeah. Of, except, like, it turns out that mostly, except it turns out that mostly the people making the most influential punk rock were huge seventies rock fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, most of them were like, they, that's what they grew up on. So you wouldn't know once that it, once with it, songs once like became... I hate Led Zeppelin and kill the Bee Gees right now. Oh my God. I could, never, band. I could never get, I could never, I could never, uh, this is not a hill I'll die on. Like I, even when I was into punk rock, like all oh, the little, like you must hate this, you must hate this. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get in, couldn't get no. involved in the Vetter versus Cobain thing. That seemed absurd to me. They're just two people. And now that I'm old, they were too adolescent, just barely out of adolescence, I, right? I'm going to call like, it right now. Get there. This episode title is going to be The Bee Gees Were a Great Band. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that is the title of this episode. I mean, look, I, well, look, I'm just saying objectively, if you look at the songwriting of Barry Gibb, if you look at like them as pop songs, like the, the, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack is objectively fucking great. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my god, like, I can't di- I can't great. disagree more. Wow. Like, we can agree on on like the songwriting prowess of Taylor Swift, but I cannot agree to disco in any way being good. It just Wait, goes against just, every fiber of my out, being. You've just zoomed out to a whole genre though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, because 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 the thing is is that that like, I like they they get they get credit for popularizing disco, but if you really listen to the Bee Gees, like especially the Saturday Night Fever album, that is a pop album. Are you guys gonna make me do a deep dive? Yeah, honestly, you should listen to the fucking music of the Gip Brothers. It's good shit. Like they're uh, they're Australian. They're great. Uh, I yeah, hate and, you. And pretend pretend you've never heard of anything called disco or the Bee Gees or anything that came before or after. And yeah. just do the do the Buddhist beginner's mind with the Bee Gees. Hate also, you. I mean, I you. you're going to change even, my worldview, and I hate you. Even if you just listen to other people covering their songs, um. Like that that's how you know similar to Taylor Swift, that's how you know how it's like a really good song when oh, people can cover it okay. in a completely different style. So we yeah, can there's a good we can agree on this. Like cover. Covers covers are covers are often better than the original. And the fact that someone sees enough value in something to cover it in their own style absolutely gives credence to it. So what are the Bee Gees covers I should be listening to? Okay, so Jeff just mentioned the Feist cover. Um I, well, while you're while you're thinking on that, I want to challenge your premise, Brett. Why why on earth does the fact that someone covered something give credence to it? Like there are whole bands where all they do is play covers. Like Dred Zeppelin doesn't make me like Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? No. Like what? But shouldn't they? Like the <laughs> no, they don't, it wasn't no. It's like okay, some dudes you know who probably live in a really stinky two bedroom apartment together. I'm gonna. Uh, Came up with a funny idea. I'm going to share a Spotify playlist in our show notes. Of, I do love a good cover, though. If we can just, if I, I just want to say that I love a good cover, especially yeah. when someone yeah. brings themselves to it. I have a playlist called, it's it's titled Perfunctory Birthday Playlist because I'm constantly adding it to it. And the, is it a funk? Is it a funk playlist? No, it's perfunctory. No, it's perfunctory. Hmm. The, the only time that me and my friends get together every year is for my birthday and it's not a selfish thing i'm just the only person who cares enough about their birthday to try to bring people together so uh we have we have about six friends and we get together for my birthday and i have a playlist that is on in the background and it is 100 covers of songs that people might not like in the original format but the nice. covers are better than the songs. And it includes Taylor Swift. It includes Nirvana. It includes MIA. Like everything that has ever been MIA. covered where, right? Have, oh my God. Okay. So I, w- I will link this playlist. There's a cover of um, All I Want to Do is Pound, Pound, Pound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's in there and it is, it is better than the original and it will get stuck in your head even more than the original. And I love MIA, but okay. these are okay. covers. These are covers that compete with the original version, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including the, the much aligned, maligned and rightfully so Ryan Adams, like it's in there because yeah. those covers were, no, were they're pretty fantastic. phenomenal. No, they are fantastic. Uh, and and I th- and it was we talked about this six years ago, but it was it was sort of frustrating in one sense that there was a certain contention. A lot of the people who then became big Taylor Swift like supporters and fans when she did 
Folklore and Evermore, which, to be clear, fantastic albums. But this was the same sort of people who, as soon as Ryan Adams covered 1989, they were like, oh, wow, this stuff uh-huh. is really good. And it's like, okay, because I'm with Jeff on this. Like, look, as, as like a young like teenager, I was certainly kind of that pretentious asshole. But where were you? You think you have to hate certain things. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, so- but, my pers- but my personal thing has always been, like, I think that I'm probably the epitome of, like, high-low. Like, I'm both highbrow and lowbrow. Yes. Like, I like really basic, sometimes even gaudy shit. Stuff like stuff like the, the, the Bee Gees, who, again, to be clear, a fucking great band. Yeah. But I also like some of the really like like the the good like the stuff that everyone agrees to is like intellectual and smart and that, that you should like but I, I i like the mixture of the two when i uh, heard anyway. when i heard dread zeppelin's version of stairway i i thought that's a good hook like that's a that's a pretty good song and i don't remember what their lyrics to it were but when i heard the original i was like oh now I see where they were coming from, and it was good. And Cashmere like blew my mind when I heard Cashmere. I had heard samples of Cashmere and other songs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when I heard the original, like there was a holy shit moment for me. And as much as I had been preconditioned to hate Zeppelin, Cashmere and Stairway are phenomenal songs and i cannot argue with that no they are and and like that that music is all like it's i have that's like the one um i would say that other than like prog rock like the the uh and and disco which is pop like the the era that i have like the biggest hole in my music like history catalog whatever is the 70s um which is weird because the 90s were all about the 70s they were, but I think what it is, is yes, as, as we've discussed, I think the reason for me that it is, is that that was the era, like my parents, um, my mom has much more eclectic and open-minded taste than my dad. My dad's taste in music is is basically stuck in like the, the early 1960s, although he does like Rod Stewart and stuff like that. My dad has pretty shitty taste in music, to be honest. And um, like... They so so the sort of music that they were then, but my sister was born in, at the uh, end of 1976. So the music that they were listening to then became kind of like kid music. Um, and then I'm I'm born, you know, in '83, and so like I um, you know, which is a completely kind of different era at that point, like MTV and whatnot. So my whole cultural kind of aspect, like I just I got into music in in the in the early 90s. Um, but kind of leading up to that, all of my influences were, you know, Michael Jackson and Cyndi Lauper and Madonna and, and I never had any of the seventies stuff. And then when I got into more rock music, yes, it was, it was influenced by the seventies, but I didn't listen to that stuff. So I have a huge hole in my like personal catalog, Mm -hmm. um, about anything I would say past like 1969. Like I, I really like it, it, it's, uh, it's like there i have little drips and drabs but honestly that's something i probably should rectify because i don't have it like i get that as someone who grew up without any rock music other than elvis elvis was somehow okay in ours and this this is going to lead down a dark path yes so we should do a sponsor break before things get dark because i'm about to talk about my childhood yeah and 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 why you swimmed out of breakfast this morning right (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> okay, but speaking of music, and actually, this is a great segue. Oh my god, um, it is! It's perfect. 
you know, if, if you're looking um, to to try to like list a good way of listening to music, you obviously need some earbuds. And so a lot of people didn't even make resolutions this year. And can you believe that it's already March? And you know what? Like we get it. But that doesn't mean that you can't still find a way to shake things up, whether it's by switching up your workout routine or going someplace new. But whatever your challenge to yourself is this new year, there's no better way to do it than with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears. See what we did there? If you need to rediscover 1970s music because you missed out on that whole thing. Uh, you need a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears. And Raycon wireless earbuds are the best way to bring audio with you. Because no matter how much you shake things up, literally, no matter how much you shake, you know, shake it off, shake it off, uh, (laughs) you know that they will not fall out of your ears. And their everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. There's also an awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings so that you can take your Raycons with you wherever you go and you use them in all kinds of situations. There are optimized uh, gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, and these earbuds are so comfortable and they will uh, not budge. Um, I know that uh, Brett especially has trouble with earbuds falling out. Yeah. My husband, Grant, I actually um, uh, had him. He took the he stole these from me and he has a really hard time with other earbuds in his ears and this is the thing that he said like he loves them because they will not fall out um well like so i i i have paid for and i'm not allowed to talk about competitors names but anyone who listens to this show knows what earbuds i have paid good money for and i cannot find there is no combination of uh tips that will make both earbuds stay in my ears because my ears are different size because i'm some kind of weird mutant but these raycon earbuds the everyday earbuds have actually stayed in my ear and i can like hold on i'm putting them in (laughs) you ready all right yes they don't fall out. If I had did like you put Batman sound bang pow had like bang pow sound effects right now, I would tell you that like I can take a punch and these things won't fall out. Yeah, no. Uh, Grant has been like doing a bunch of stuff, like working with his his guitar and like has been like running all over the the house and stuff. And like he he even commented, not even knowing that this was part of the ad read, he was like, "Yeah, they don't fall out." Has so he been doing the like the slide across the floor in his socks and his boxers. <laughs> Oh man, I got pulled out of that because I can by my tell collar. you they they will survive that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Raycons offer eight hours of playtime and a thirty-two hour battery life, and they're priced just right for you. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. So it's no wonder that Raycons everyday earbuds now have over forty-eight thousand five-star reviews. And right now, overtired listeners can get. 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash overtired. That's buyraycon.com slash overtired to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash overtired. Speaking of sponsors, how's that for a segue? Do you have any idea how many subscriptions you unknowingly pay for every month? You probably don't want to know the answer, so why not skip to the part where you use Truebill and identify where you can stop spending and start saving. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people are saving thousands a year with Truebill. 
See all of your subscriptions in one place, keep the ones you want, cancel the ones you don't right from the app. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. No talking to humans, no difficult conversations. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says, In a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill, and saved $840 a year on car insurance. Start canceling your unused subscriptions at Truebill.com overtired. Go right now, Truebill.com overtired. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com overtired. Jeff, did we warn you that this was a Taylor Swift podcast? Yeah, I know from the title. I got no problem with that. All right. I, I, I actually, I'd actually go I so felt far a little as to guilty. request, I'd go so far as to request a multidisciplinary syllabus. Okay. Okay. I, which I can write for you. I, I, okay. I, 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 I can give that to you and, and, uh, and we can give you a whole thesis and syllabus of the show, but Taylor Swift is definitely a core component of this. So. I accept that. All right. You can have, you can have. I watched a video of her. That is also, that is also my approach to this. I accept this. I, well, I watched a video of her the other day in jury duty. Did you see this? Like, it, <laughs> yeah, that was a good bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she seems all right. She seems yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of parents and bad taste, that, that wasn't too, too long a walk, was it? No, no, no. That's okay, good. No. That's good. So I, I have breakfast with my folks every Saturday morning. Uh, we didn't for, uh, during Omicron, I, I like curtailed the breakfast. Uh, our, our community spread was too high and like one in four people in our town were infected and, and I wasn't having it. Uh, we, we curtailed breakfast. We recently resumed them. And then this morning, so we had this list of like banned topics and we don't talk about it, but if you bring up like the weather, for example, that will lead down. My parents are very fundamentalist Christians and talking about the weather eventually leads to climate change, which leads to huge arguments. Mm. And, and today my mom told me that my, my sister-in-law had taken all of our, our nieces to the Ark Encounter. And if you're not familiar with Ken Ham's Ark Encounter, it is oh. it is a apparent a, 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 an ostensibly life size replica of Noah's Ark, in which they proclaim that dinosaurs were on the Ark because the Earth is only six thousand years old, and if dinosaurs existed, which uh, that's hard to deny, then they must have been on the Ark with Noah, and. And like, that is just the beginning of the claims that this makes. And I have, so wait, can I just, can I just make sure I fully understand? Yes. So essentially, uh, not denying dinosaurs, just saying that, um, if the dinosaurs existed, then they were on the ark. Ergo, the ark must've been way bigger than we thought. No, so let's no, try here's to the build thing. it in Kentucky. The, okay. bi the Bible states how big the ark was. Like That's the right. measurements are given. So they have to contort all of this reality to fit into this arc, uh, based on biblical dimensions and, and they, they do their best. And 
there okay there are so many problems with with their version of the arc that are just like inexplicable but right so- and, and also the fact that you know this has been a text that has been converted in multiple languages and um uh, parts of it have been removed and yeah. and other things but we won't even get into that yeah, part like we could debate the veracity of of noah's of the story of noah forever and and i do i watch like almost daily i watch like youtube videos that that speak against these stories that i was raised to believe and i spent a long time getting to atheism i spent so many years like deprogramming myself from fundamental fundamentalist christianity but then so my my mom tells me that my sister-in-law took all of my nieces who i love dearly to the ark encounter and i just buried my head in my hands i i just i didn't i knew this was a forbidden topic Mm. and and she she was like what's wrong i don't understand what your reaction to this is and i just i all i could manage was like the lies that that exhibit tells are blatant and impossible to prove. And then my dad said the words, you know what doesn't have any evidence? Evolution. <laughs> At which point I was just, uh, I was boy. so uh. floored. Like I couldn't, like the realization that my parents, like this is not news to me. I grew up with this shit, but yeah. the realization again that my parents were young Earth creationists who believe the Earth is six thousand years old, and that the Bible in all of its aspects are is literal. the The English translation of the Bible is literal. Was, and are we talking the King James or what are we talking? Oh, New International is totally fair oh, game. Oh, New Internationalist, got it. Okay. Totally fair game. Um and the yeah, the NIV is just a furthering of of God's word. And they are they're Bible literalists and the earth is six thousand years old. And I just like I I tried, I did my best to like to argue. But I was hyperventilating, like this realization that my parents were of these, of this ilk that did not recognize evolution as actual science. Just, I, I, it, I had been there for 45 minutes and, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I just had to leave. It was, I feel a little bit bad that I cut, they made me breakfast and I stormed out, but I just couldn't. Hmm. What, what works when, when it works with your parents? Like you have this list of things that you don't talk about. We um, talk about I, work. Uh-huh. We talk about health. Yeah. Like my siblings and how they're doing. And that's about it. And, and like how, how aware, how, how present is the list in the room when you're together? Is it constantly present? Oh, or does very, it sometimes you, No, you away? can feel people tiptoe around it until they don't until like mm. my dad knew right. as soon as as soon as he as soon as he said you know what doesn't what have any saying. evidence evolution he he and he like he, made he, hard eye contact he he was purposely he he was making he was making a point yeah like i especially because i didn't get to see my parents for you know a year and a half i've tried to not talk about politics with them 
um, when I've been going home to see the baby and whatnot. My mom and I did get into one fight um, uh, last time I was there in 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 the car, and and I and I I said something to her that was actually fairly rude, and I and I apologized, <laughs> although I wasn't wrong. Where um, we we were talking about some sort of issue, and and I was like, well, look, if you want to completely, you know, forego all, um, you know, like rational thought and science or whatnot, or or I don't remember what I said, but it was something that that completely kind of dismissed her perspective at all, because I because whatever she was talking about is just factually incorrect. It's just wrong. Um, and, and this doesn't get into religious stuff per se, but it, it was getting into something um, uh, around like geopolitics and it was just actually incorrect. And, and I, I made some kind of, uh, you know, comments, kind of snippy thing about that. And, and she had to laugh. She was just like, oh my God, mm. <laughs> you that was so dismissive or whatever. And she was right. But um, I, I've, I used to always argue like vociferously about that. And it's weird because now that I have like the fear of, you know, only having so much time left with people, like there's certain, there's certain conversations I just won't get into. We, we do. Mm -hmm. We tiptoe around these topics because we accept my parents accept that I am a brainwashed atheist and I accept that they are brainwashed fundamentalists. Right. And, and we tiptoe around these topics and there's just kind of this silent nod that, yeah, I, I know I know how you feel about this. We're going to just steer away from this topic now. Um, but my dad actually told me this morning that not only was I brainwashed, the entire scientific community was brainwashed. And mm. it is to their detriment that they have blackballed anyone who disagrees with evolution. Mm. And like, like it was some kind of conspiracy. Uh, uh, like they had made up this fantasy, and they had fucking blackballed. Kirk Cameron. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Kirk Cameron, man. Do you remember when he got into like the debate, or like, like one of his people, like they tried to have like a debate with an evolutionary scientist to prove no. that the Bible was real? Like, this well, happened, like Ken, years Ken ago. Ham, Ken Ham, who created the evolutionary uh, the uh the ark encounter and the creationist museum had a debate with bill nye that's what it was and uh, it, was, what it was like most bill nye supporters were like why would you do this why would you give this guy a platform uh but he did it and by all accounts he won the debate but yeah, it doesn't no, matter yeah. you can't debate with these people no you can't like, like these are people who like there's not going to be you know, they are um, committed to what they're committed to. What you hope, I guess, with that is that for people who might not be completely all in, um, might have some sort of change in thought. Because uh, this is less true, I think, for um, some of like, the creationist stuff. But this is certainly true with like uh, conspiracy theories where people can make a compelling argument and younger people who are just getting into something will see it and see, oh, it makes sense. And they'll be like me when I was, you know, um, in, in elementary school and and up up until I think college, honestly, who I I believed a lot of the Kennedy conspiracy theory stuff. Sure. Because mm -hmm. the stuff that I'd seen that lined up. And it wasn't until I saw some sort of documentary on one of the anniversaries where it was showing a direct lineup between where Oswald was and shot and how it would actually like it was a computer um uh, like generated um like like recreation of, of what the car was like and they found that people who'd said oh there's no way that it could have gone through both people 
they'd miscalculated how the car was set up. And, and there is there was like a um, that the front seat was up um, uh, slightly and and, and I got like offset. Right. Exactly. And so when I saw the actual like bullet trajectory path when somebody had recreated like in they'd recreated this Zapruder film in in uh, 3D like it was it was incredible and I went oh holy shit yeah there's no question about it it was is a single you know a uh, uh, shooter there's like if you want to talk about who put him there and whatnot I personally agree as difficult as as it you know sometimes is to give the government credence on things like I do believe you know the Warren Commission's report and. But but seeing that at least absolved me of any question right. of Which oh, is basically know. the story of my life. Like I grew mm-hmm. up at, at, in elementary school, these stories of Noah's Ark and these stories, of, like all of the Bible in general, made sense. Like right. they seemed reasonable, and it wasn't until high school when I started to be presented with evidence to the contrary that I began to question things and then college, you know, uh, you know, college, um, that like it became very clear that these things were errant and, and, and I, I began my path towards being an atheist. And if I had been raised much, my girlfriend was raised in a, a, a like very almost Unitarian Mm -hmm. kind of, home where she <laughs> our our reading today is from Steinbeck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and so she doesn't ha- like she has this fear of fundamentalists but she doesn't have this strong aversion to fund uh, like to Christianity to to right. religious people that I do. And if I had been raised like that, I would probably still be uh, whatever you would consider spiritual. Although, okay. So I did, I went to temple again last week. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, after this snafu with my parents this morning, I texted my rabbi and I was like, all right, I need to know if you believe in evolution. And then I was like, maybe I don't want to know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he's a rabbi. Of course he does. Maybe yeah, if if right. you don't believe in evolution, maybe I don't want to know about it. But he's like, fucking, of course I believe in evolution. There's no reform Jew in the United States who doesn't believe in evolution. And right. <laughs> although Siri translated it as there's no reformed you. <laughs> Who doesn't believe evolution is real? <laughs> Whoa, Siri's all like, I got a rabbi here. Let me let me switch. Israel. <laughs> Barukata Adonai. Um and so like he's like, Of course I believe in evolution. Like there's it's it's inconceivable that anyone wouldn't believe in evolution. And I was like, This is why I go to temple. This is why like I, I'm an atheist. I'm a staunch atheist. I'm not looking for God, but I appreciate the community. Well, I was gonna say you're not looking for the religion. You're you're looking. We talked about this last episode. You're looking for the community, right? Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate. And, and this last temple I went to, they were celebrating uh, a a couple that had been with the community for 49 years. And we're moving on. They were moving to be closer to their their family. 
and they were leaving the community and they let the 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 man get up and talk about like what what that community had meant to him and it was very touching like i was i was like this is i understand why people are religious if this is if this is what they get out of it having grown up with fire and brimstone and young earth creationism it made sense to me um there's a book uh the philosopher Alain de Botton I don't know how you say his name actually cuz I think it's French and it probably just sounds like Alain Hill. um and it's called religion uh for atheists and not only is this person just one of my favorite very accessible um writers but he does a beautiful job of the whole book is essentially just like okay yeah i'm an atheist let's you know that's a thing um but do i just write off everything that it, it you know is filed under religion or do i kind of try to understand that being an atheist what might be missing in my life like in in yeah. my in my attempts at meaning making in my attempts at understanding like, what how to, is how the actual live. important part of religion <laughs> That's the yeah, and you just—it's a beautiful book. It's a really quick read. I just really recommend it. It's a beautiful book, and it gets at community, of course, and ritual and all of that. But it's what's really it, nice. What's it called again? It's called religion. It's called religion for atheists. All right, I like that. That's a great book. I like I like being able to talk. So I'm not I'm not I'm not religious. I was raised Catholic. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not I, religious. I was raised Catholic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that I don't believe in God, at least in in the way I've understood it. Yada yada yada. Um, but um, I have to say that I, I I get nothing out of having conversations about religion that um, that like you know the first step is like okay let's dig two trenches. Those are where the idiots are, and this is where we are. Right? Like I can't. I just can't do that um, because I've I've been around enough people in my life who are religious to understand that like this is this is how you do meaning making at its best right it can be really dysfunctional and terrible at its worst um, and I think you're describing some of that Brett um, but <laughs> but at its at its best it's it's a way people find meaning and, and and that's like that's the thing right we walk through this they're trying to understand what does it all mean and how should i live and i don't fault anybody for for you know finding a home inside of some you know construct that for me is kind of unfathomable what what i struggle with which it sounds like is happening with your parents and i've certainly had people in my family down that road is like it's like is religion when religion is just a jumble of counterfactuals and not something that predominantly helps you answer the question of how do I live, then I just don't understand it at all. I can't, I can't relate at all. And it sounds like you're kind of stuck in that where it's like this counterfactual, uh, relationship to religion. What drives me insane is this concept of morality and in the church I grew up in morality can't exist without God. Like if uh -huh. you don't believe mm. in God, then you're you not are wrong. by default, uh, we'll say homosexual murderer, because mm. those are like the two worst things the church can imagine. Right. Uh -huh. And so if you don't have God, there is no morality. You have no sense of right and wrong without God. 
And that is what has always driven me nuts because I have always felt I have a perfectly functioning moral compass. Like I understand what makes life better for me and for those around me. And I care about it. Mm -hmm. And, and I am perfectly capable of deciding right and wrong for myself without religion. And most religions that I've run into understand that morality is a scale and most of them accept that humans by default understand right and wrong and mm -hmm. and everyone's everyone's right and wrong may be different like that's that's a variable scale just like it is between religions but the idea that if you don't have a god you have no idea what's right and wrong has always baffled me. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, and, and it's, I don't know. I mean, we, we, it's so interesting too, because at least like the church that I was brought up in and, and look, I, I consider myself maybe spiritual. It, we've talked about this before. I have a hard time completely divesting myself. I've called myself an atheist before, but I'm really not. I'm, I'm agnostic. Um, but, um, like the way that I was brought up, which like, I, I think that even though, I went to church every Sunday and and uh, as a child really cared a lot about about God and whatnot. I think your parents would consider me immoral because I certainly was never brought up to think, oh, well, people who believe something different than me are going to hell. Like that was never <laughs> even a question. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend has never been married. And when I brought up the topic of premarital sex, she's like, holy shit, that's the only kind of sex I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, well, and look, and that was definitely something that like was was talked about as being like like bad and this and that. And I had to kind of get over my own hangups for that, you know, and and uh, it, it obviously I did. Um, but but it was one of those things where like it was kind of drilled into us like you, you should you should wait until you're married and whatnot. And then I think I was I think I was still like going to church and I was like told my mom and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> and she got really upset. And I was mm. like, look, and 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 my my rationale was was actually, especially for being as young as I was, was really, I think, smart because what I said was, I don't want to set this this thing up for myself that I can't live up to and then feel like I failed in some way. Yeah. Mm. And 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 I I don't want to take on that kind of emotional thing of like you you were not good enough and you're not a good person and, and you're a failure because I didn't live up to this frankly bullshit ideal this bullshit of, ideal of based on property yes right yes right well and come to find out right like especially our generation like come to find out that 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 there's this voice in all of us that tells us we're not good enough we're not this enough we're not that enough and you start to wonder if 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 religion you know it just kind of took the space of that voice and and that voice took the shape of religion for people, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know, like I'm, I, I have kind of an arrogant take on it a little bit, which is like, like in the case of what you're talking about, Brett, with your parents, but also like my son just finished a documentary project for history day on the satanic panic around dungeons and dragons. <laughs> in the yeah. 80s. And yes. like, it's, so, it's all just such a case of, it all feels to me, and I'm not saying that this is what it is. That's why I say it's kind of arrogant. It feels like a case to me of the symbol is not the thing symbolized, right? So like when when oh, Patricia Pulling's son killed himself, believing he was under the influence of a spell cast on him in a game, and I'm willing to just accept that at face value, right? That he was not well 
and he believed that that this spell had impacted him in real life. He committed suicide. She started this organization Oof. called called um what was it? It's the acronym is BAD B A D D. It's um something against Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, bitch she, against Dungeons. No, and no, no. She but she's up there, you know, on all the television news shows, and she's she's. You know, talking about um, suicide rates in Dungeons Dragons using statistics that don't make any sense, and and my son, who's seventh grade, was sort of not really like mocking her, but whenever he did have to talk about her or think about her, it felt like um, he, you know, he was kind of looking down on her. And I just, I said, and I said, like, I said this to his teacher too, because I wasn't sure, like, just even developmentally, uh, how to approach it. So it's like, look, this woman did a lot of harm in in the name of her grief, which is something that humans do all the time. Yeah. And hers took the form of this thing that actually caused a lot of harm for a lot of mm-hmm. kids who were, who were finding a way to have community and a way to express themselves and all of that, right? Like D&D was such a positive force for so many people, but it was a positive force for so many people at the same time that the popular culture and sometimes their parents were telling them that they were evil because they were doing it. Right. The the thing about the symbol is not the thing symbolized is like clearly this wasn't about D and D for Patricia Pulling in a lot of ways. Like this was no. a mother who lost her son and was trying exactly. to understand it. Well, that's that, that's what it was. It was it was a mother who it, it was easier and and it would be I think for anyone to say not my son was was severely mentally ill and and was in pain and made a decision because of his psychosis or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But to say if not for this game he would still be alive. Yeah. Right. right? Be, because because you know I I can't even conceive of I'm not a parent I, so I can't even begin to conceive of what it would be like to lose a child but I know what it's like to lose other people and I know what grief is like and and I I you know grief does fuck up things to people. So I love that you gave your son that perspective because I think that's so important especially yeah. at his age. Yeah. I know when I was his age, I totally would have been the same thing. I would have been oh, talking dude, me too. itself. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I, would have been, I wouldn't have even entered my mind, though, to even have that perspective of like, oh, I'm so self-satisfied. Look how smart I am. Look how good I am. And Completely. and we see that all the time on Twitter. Like, I see people who are my friends who still take that perspective. And it's like, no, these people did bad things and are wrong. But where right. did it come from? You know? Right. Right. And like, and that just the humility of saying, of recognizing that we all make bad decisions and hurt people. And, and it's on, not always on the same scale, but like it comes from the same internal operating system. Right. What could the thing B possibly have stood for? Like what? Uh, hold on. I'll, I mean, I should know this cause I've, he's been working on this so much. Um, like, like truly, brethren against like B, uh, I can't on. think of any B words that aren't about boys. And this it's is not, the mother we're it's talking not about. snappy. It's bothered about oh, dungeons and bothered. dragons. Bothered. That's, that, that, that's, I'm sorry that's, for that's, laughing. Cause this no, is no, a, I mean, it, no, it's a terrible acronym. It's it, a no, terrible. It, yeah. I mean, it, it, a, you know, you know, mad worked because mad was both a good acronym and right. like, yeah. worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mad was like, brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah, where this fails is that what they're trying to convince the world is that this is Satan's foothold into your children's lives. So to say that you're bothered about it is a little out of scale. Which is it, it is, it, 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 it is no, and 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 it was a real thing, and and it's um, we, we saw it, you know, uh, with, with with Columbine. You see it with a lot of things where people yeah. they can't conceive of any other sort of boogeyman. Like they need the boogeyman there because they can't conceive that something terrible could happen just because it happens. Um, or like, or because it was somehow mental health related, like in the, well, that's the big in those thing. days, Jesus, like no one had a language for that. No. And even now, um, in some ways, I almost feel like it sometimes has gone 
too far in the other direction, where now we immediately give almost a pass to anybody who does anything. Like, oh, well, they're mentally mm-hmm. unwell. And not to say that that isn't their reason, but but then but then somehow like that absolves them of their actions. And that's not true, right? Like yeah, people yeah, yeah. Who, are, who are who are mentally ill can still do terrible things and are still responsible for their actions. It sure. just means we need to have an understanding about it. But but it comes into this thing where people like flatten it to the point where they're like, oh, no, no, we can't say anything negative about someone who has like a mental health problem. No. Okay, fuck we, that. We need to understand when we talk about how we could have prevented something. Yeah. We need to understand the roots of mental illness. Exactly. Not we, excuse we mental illness, but understand that we didn't do anything about it. Right. And also in some cases, like the case with, the, with this woman's son, there might be circumstances, and this is really sad because this happens in a lot of cases, where you might, even if you did everything right, yeah, it, it wouldn't have stopped it. And I yeah. think that's I think that's the most difficult thing for people to say, even if we saw all the signs, even if we acted on things, because you see that happen all the time yeah. where people do act on things, where people do have treatment, where people lie because of that is part of also the nature of, of you know, mental health is that we're deceitful about it because we don't want to um, accept it in a lot of cases right. um, or or, you know, something just like, you know, stuff just happens like and and I think that that's the hardest thing for people to kind of grapple with when terrible things happen, which is that even if I did everything right, I might not have been able to prevent this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I need to have something to blame. So in, in, so in, in, in that woman's case, it is, okay, I, I can't conceive of anything else other than the fact that if this game did not exist, he would still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And like, I mean, for him, like I didn't expect him to come to that. It was more like what was nice was the fact that he was doing a piece of journalism yeah. gave me a reason to be like, Hey, just so you know, when you tell this, you kind of got to tell, you got to tell it in a way that if she was watching it, she'd feel like, yeah, you don't agree with me, but you definitely described my primary concerns. Which is a great lesson. I mean, cause, cause again, like even if he's not going to always like come up, uh, come about, like have that level of empathy and, and whatnot at his age. I think just even having a dad who's saying, hey, you might need to look at it this way because he's already doing this sort of journalism. He's already inquisitive. Yeah. So that's opening up his mind to then look at those things from those perspectives. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, man. I just feel like we're 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 in constant as a culture. We just feel like perpetually in denial of our capacity to do harm. And <laughs> and, and we forget that we all are born with that capacity and, and live and walk with that capacity. And I feel like if we had some like some level of like not necessarily comfort, but just acceptance of that, so much could be different. <laughs> no, and, and the thing is is we all do harm, right? And yeah, the thing is yeah, too, we all do harm. Yeah. We all do harm. And I think the thing too is I think about this a lot is a comfort in the acceptance of the fact that make it better. But B, I think there's also a realization that, and, and this I think is, has happened too, where I do get frustrated with, with people on my own side who no one wants to assume good faith and no one wants to assume mm-hmm. that just that the people who are doing harm didn't intend to. Some people do intend to, to, to do harm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But many people don't. Yeah. And that doesn't change the fact that they're not harming. Who, someone, right. Who are these people that intend to do harm? Like I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it, but in my mind, the average everyday person anywhere in the world does not intend to do harm. Doesn't wake up them, you know, in the morning. What does the people always say this when they're talking about various crimes? That person did not wake up this morning wanting to do X, but they did yeah. X. Yeah. Can you believe we've made it to 50 minutes in without talking about Sammy Hagar? <laughs> 
Uh, I can do it. It's actually, uh, we could, we could save it for next week or I could do it now. Uh, I feel like it's happening. This is happening. We're there actually. I mean, this is a perfect transition. And then, um, I'll have to go cause I have to tend to the, to the world outside my door. Of course. Um, so, okay. So Sammy Hagar, now just to give some background, uh, Sammy Hagar was a really just super ridiculous hard rock singer in the eighties. His big hit that put him on my radar was the song, I can't drive 55, (laughs) which to me, like if you're going to plant your fucking flag in the ground, like, is that really it? And as a side note, the Minutemen, the wonderful punk rock, uh, group from California had a double album called Double Nickels on the Dime and Double Nickels is 55. And the, the whole idea of that album was we absolutely will drive 55 if Sammy Hagar will not. Um, but anyhow, he was, he was a cornball. I mean, in a, in a, in a total like genre of cornballs, right. But he was just such an assertive cornball. And, and I was at that time, like so many kids, my age, I was in probably fourth or fifth grade. When I heard of Sammy Hagar, I was a huge Van Halen fan. In fact, this would have been around when the album 1984 came out, which has all the big hits like hop for teacher and, you know, uh, jump and all that stuff. Everything gets played at the roller rink. I don't know if that's still true. Um, <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> but at any rate, <clears throat> Van Halen for me was incredible. Even then, I mean, like I can speak better about what I love about that era of Van Halen now. And I can say it very simply. You have this over-sexualized, seemingly like uh, cis, hetero, male rock group, but the singer pole dances in videos in a sailor suit. And so it's like, it's like, what, what is this wonderful multi-layered universe that's called Van Halen? Um, and I'm talking about David Lee Roth, who was just a completely, is a completely bizarre superstar who like, again, would pole dance uh, in a sailor suit in a video. <laughs> but also like when I moved to New York City in 2000, 2005, he was working as a goddamn EMT in the Bronx. Like, he Wait. is the most fascinating character. Diamond David Dave Lee was working. Diamond Dave was working at, yeah. Seriously? Yeah. And, you know, I can prove it with a quote from him, uh, <laughs> which doesn't really prove it, which is like, I remember reading an interview and he had some quote about how his dream is that he'll just come upon some Swiss female hiker who's broken her leg, like, or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a very David Lee Roth. But anyway, so David Lee Roth, you know, he, in, in 1985, He's out of the band. We don't have to get into the drama, but he's out of the band, right? Yeah. That's there's a great behind the music on it, but yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good to know. And 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 who gets hired for the job? Mr. Fucking I can't drive 55, who definitely <laughs> is not pole dancing in a sailor suit, right? Absolutely so that's the first not. disappointment, the first very specific disappointment. But then he comes in and he's such a cornball, and his his songs are just his lyrics are just so fucking dumb. They're dumb. I mean, Dave. Yeah. Dave Roth's lyrics were dumb if you yeah. listen to them. Yeah, How that's the thing is I never gave a sh- I never gave a shit about this argument because but they were both was, dumb. They were well, okay. So but here's the thing. David Lee Roth brought it with this sort of vaudeville kind of presentation, which Fair enough. 
to this day is super attractive to me. I just love watching him do his crazy ass vaudeville hair metal thing. There was <laughs> nobody else like him. And there were plenty of Sammy Hagar's. And so Sammy Hagar joins the band. They make a band. They make an album called 5150, which is like, I think the legal code for insane or whatever, which like Sammy Hagar is totally not insane. He's like the most not insane, boring person ever. Right. They become a huge thing and instantly right it's like do you who do you side with are you with van hagar are you with van halen who did who did for unlawful carnal knowledge that's them which stands for fuck i mean it's just so stupid and they had an album called they had an album called ou812 which is just the letter o (laughs) the letter u you know the number eight the number one the number two just such a stupid anyway So I, you know, we all decided we all had to take a side in those days. And, and that was one of those things, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where you decide who you hate and you hold on to it forever inexplicably. Right. So like, (laughs) I, I now know that I was so dramatically against Sammy Hagar in 1985 that a friend of mine who I hadn't talked to since that year, uh, a couple of years ago, we kind of reunited and he's like, dude. Anytime Van Hagar comes out and on in a bar, like I fucking, I, I raised the flag. I'm for David Lee Roth. And you know, what's fucked up about that? I don't even listen to Van Halen. I just remember that from you <laughs> because you were so intense about it in 1985. We are really, we're, we're, we're really appealing to our millennial audience here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, here's, here's the, here's the deal. So I, my dad, even, even my dad gave, uh, gave my son a, a CD. Uh, my son started listening to old, like classic rock and he had a cassette player and a CD player and my dad would get him stuff from the thrift store. He brought a copy of o- OU812 and I said, son, do you know what we do with this? And he <laughs> said, he said, what? I said, we go out to the garage and we hit it with a hammer. <laughs> that sounds which like is what, the way my parents my treated dad. all my Aerosmith CDs. Exactly. And so anyway, okay. So this has gone on for let's be honest, like way too long. Like I should not hate him. I tell a story often about Devendra Barnhart, Barnhart. You remember this guy, Devendra Barnhart? I don't know. What are you talking about? He's a like, remember freak folk in like the early 2000s? How old are you? 47. Oh my God. Okay. So. All right. Anyway, this is like, (laughs) just picture like the dirtiest hippie with a guitar in like, uh, with a gig at a sushi restaurant, it's somewhere in Los Angeles, right? And Sammy Hagar is there eating sushi and he hates this guy's songs, right? And so he goes up and confronts him and this guy punches him in the face. <laughs> and I have loved telling that story for so long. And I finally just wondered, why do I love this? Why do I care? And so the other day, this is, we're getting to it now. The other day, I'm driving in my car and I have a tendency to listen to the classic rock station so long as the morning show's not on. Um, because I'm just like, I don't really get off on like misogyny and xenophobia, all that stuff. Totally. (laughs) And 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 on comes a Van Hagar song. It's uh uh come on, baby, finish what you started. Uh it's it's very snappy. Um, it's got lovely guitar playing. Uh, Sammy Hagar's voice, I admit, is very kind of can be kind of rich and pleasant, right? But it's also stupid. But I said to myself, as soon as I heard the riff, I said, I think it's time. I think it's time to allow this in. Normally, I would just <laughs> change the station, right? But I allow this in. I'm not going to just leave the party because this guy walked in, right? Like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to hold my ground and just be me and let him be him. And that's eh, what it is. That's your ground. 
So I listen to the song. I let my foot tap a little bit, you know, I let, I still let out a couple of noises that sounded roughly like the chorus. And, uh, and it was all over. And I thought, I feel like something has changed for me. And, and then about 20 minutes later, I was on a phone call with a friend who was telling me that they're in this, this stage relationship wise, where they don't want to commit. What they want is someone that can be very loving, but also a friend. And I said, quoting that song that I had just listened to 20 minutes ago, <laughs> you want a lover, you want a friend honey, I can be both of them. And that wasn't me offering. I'm saying I was, I was like, you're, you're what you're talking about is what Sammy was talking about. Right. Oh, and then I just decided, me. and I decided right there it was over. And now I watch, I watch him doing interviews with people. I just try, I just, I'm just letting them in. I'm letting them in because you know what, why the fuck am I carrying this much anger about a man that completely insignificant to in my life? So for, 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 for like 37 years, you've yeah. been You've been, you've been harboring this resentment. Yes, people that haven't seen me since I was a child harbor it for <laughs> me. Like, they've been standard bearers for my cause. I've been trying not to laugh directly into the microphone, but this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, Anyhow, go ahead, I also sorry. have to say, because I put it in the show notes, whenever I hear Sammy Hagar, the only thing I think of is the Nerf Herder song, which is like, it's called Van Halen. And it's like, is this what you wanted? Sammy Hagar that, and like, right, like the, right. and then the whole thing, the whole course is like never again, never again. Like about how, like basically, it's like it's all about like how Van Halen's been ruined. Yeah, and and uh, that's all I can think about whenever I, I I hear Sammy Hagar. I was always fascinated by how many how how much people committed to this controversy over Diamond oh, Day versus has, Sammy Hagar, and that is exact and that that commitment is commensurate to what a unique fucking force of nature David Lee Roth was. <laughs> okay. So to, to bring this back around previous episodes, I feel like there's the same kind of, no, it's not though. Tommy Lee. I'm talking about Tommy Lee. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. It is not the same kind of, cause he was never replaced. No. No. no, and he was just charming as all. And in the end of the day, that's actually not that special. Again, this was this is another music area where I like I just don't have any. And I mentioned this before, maybe in the was in the last episode, but I have like no like, cultural reference of hair bands. <laughs> mm. You guys, I wrote I wrote for City Pages the all weekly here. I wrote a um, history of hair metal in the Twin Cities. Nice. I'll have to share it with you. You'll love it. This <laughs> has been a fun episode, you guys. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like when I that rant, you must be wondering: Did we basically bring a boomer onto this podcast? We did, but it's to <laughs> we, we did, but we're, we're extending our reach. <laughs> I mean, look, look, look! The millennial is the one who who contends that the Bee Gees were a good band. So, yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Hey, you guys, get some mm. sleep. Oh God, I can only dream of sleeping. <laughs> get some sleep. All right, y'all. <laughs> Talk to you. The system is going down low.